0: Welcome to another episode of On the Line. My name is Christina Kay.
1: I'm Joe Mullings, and in studio today, hey, Gio, we've got Giovanni Loricella. Again. Hello. Again.
0: Again. A friend of the podcast.
1: When, whenever we do international stuff, we bring Gio in. Yeah. Or, or something from Buffalo.
0: We've never done anything. I've been to Buffalo, and we're, I don't see a podcast about <laughs> Buffalo. But isn't in our that future? the funniest
1: thing, though? Gio's our international dashing asset at TMG, and he's from Buffalo.
0: It makes sense. He grew up on a border town.
2: Border town. Wow. Canada is about as international
1: as you get. Yeah, because Canada's international. No,
0: Toronto is like the most international city in the world, isn't it? Like,
1: well, you're getting carried away.
0: Toronto. I, if, when I think of international cities, I would probably think of Toronto. I would first. think of London. Yeah, it's similar. I mean, you have like little Ethiopia, little Armenia, little every little 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 you can imagine.
1: Other than little Buffalo.
0: Toronto might be little Buffalo anyway. No, Buffalo is little Toronto.
1: So Geo's here anywhere from Buffalo. Mm-hmm. All the
2: way. All the way.
1: What did you want to talk about today, Ms. K?
0: Well, Gio just came back from a big show in Paris and we had a, our town hall meeting yesterday and uh, you were expressing the qualities of attending these events and, and the potential benefit to you as a recruiter, but I think probably as any professional in the industry, because there are conferences for every kind of profession, you were saying, if you have the opportunity, go. And I wanted to sort of pick your brain a little bit about that, uh, about you know why don't people have those opportunities? How can they make those opportunities available to themselves, what can be gained from them, and how can they maximize that time?
1: And they're big assets on the resume too, quite honestly.
2: I fully agree with that. Yeah, it's you find them sometimes next to the list of publications or patents or something along those lines on their attendance on where they travel to. So there's a huge asset. I mean, I'm, I'm always a big advocate of still human interaction. I know it's a very digital world these days, but uh, shaking someone's hand, seeing someone face to face. And also it's like being on the telephone and talking to them. They usually tell you things that they wouldn't otherwise tell you in writing, right? Writing is still writing. Um, But even being in person, they'll pull you off to the side and tell you things that you wouldn't hear. And it's not necessarily personal things or or private things. It's just simply more dynamic dialogue that just simply doesn't happen in other modalities of communication. So um, I've gained a tremendous amount of Intel, insight, learning curves, learning experiences just by being in front of people. Um, So for me, it's a tremendous asset and by being in front of the people and also getting a chance to see the scientific lectures that go on, right? So, I mean, it's always great to see slide decks and things like that and articles that come out on a daily basis, but when you see one of the top KOLs present something for the very first time, you don't get that every day in an article, right? So twofold, going about how you create that value to whoever's sending you to the show it takes a lot of work. I used to bust his balls on that
1: too. I used yeah. to Gio would come in when he first wanted to run the international desk. He's like, hey, here's a list of shows I want to go to. And it was like Barcelona, Paris, London, Dublin. And I'm like, really? <laughs> That's nice.
0: Yeah, there's a little bit of irony there though, because you're saying that the that the significance of interpersonal communication Cannot be, you know, undersold in a d- digital-rich world, and uh, you busted his balls on LinkedIn too. I so, know. so Geo is is an advocate of both expanding your digital presence and expanding your interpersonal presence, and convinced our boss Joe, who is not always the easiest to convince of things,
1: with a good argument, I can be convinced. And clearly, he made two good arguments.
0: Eventually, yes, I agree, but I want to know how did you do it?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I think at this point, especially one. Well, my personal or in-person network is large enough now where I can justify it, Mm -hmm. Um, but previous starting that from scratch, it was my digital world that enabled me to have the personal world. So um, how do you go about doing it? I, I would first say that I've run into people and whether it's meetings that I had personally scheduled or ran into them in person while I was there with people who someone had paid for them to go to these conferences and... They went to a three- or four-day or five-day conference for one meeting that took an hour. And other than that, they were just walking around the city or wherever they were. And I don't know, that didn't seem like that much of a value. And and even if you only had one meeting set up or you flew there for, why would you not take advantage of doing more, right? Mm-hmm. So it also depends on the person.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm a headhunter, but also I would say I'm really a headhunter in person, whether it's memorizing what someone looks like from their LinkedIn profile and you've reached out to them for a meeting and they didn't get back to you for X, Y, and Z reason. I mean, I've gone up and tapped CEOs on the shoulder being like, hey, don't want anything from me, but just shaking my hand. And that was it. And I got back to the office and three weeks later, I got an email from them for some reason, right? But it was just that hunting them down. Um, but I do that on a digital side months in advance of every show I go to. And also,
1: I think it was because he's committed to it, too. So, you know, the international reach and the domestic reach. So so in our organization, it's a domestic majority, 70% of our businesses in U.S. 30% is OUS, and out of that, probably Geo drives 80% of that 30%, because it's an interest of his. So when he asked me the first time, can I go, I'm like, no.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Because it's like 5K a clip, right? Plus he's out of the office, plus, plus, plus. And um, he kept at it. And then started making an evidence-based argument, not just why it was good for GEO, but why it was good for TMG. And I think that's an important component to put in. And and, and not just shows to meet people. As an engineer myself, you want to go to seminars. You want to increase your skill set. You want to learn some software. You want to learn some, but you got to show that you're committed to it. And that's why I'll typically say no right away, and, and depending on how hard somebody fights for it. And, and I think that's one of the things that Geo did, and that's one of the takeaways from the outside, is you better be committed to it.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I, I get a lot of weird side jobs, and I, I shot uh, video at the, at the ASCO conference in Chicago, which is, I guess, like one of the largest um, cancer-based... Conferences in the world, so there's like tens of thousands of people. It was a mess, you know, and I have no idea what they're talking about. It's all abbreviated code, and but I I noticed, you know, everybody kept going to the same lectures. I mean, they would be packed when it had to do with immunotherapy. And I asked the person who hired me, you know, what's the deal with this immunotherapy? And he's like, oh, well, that's that's what's next. That's what's that's the horizon. Everybody wants to be there for the horizon. I think, okay, well, you want to be present as. The future of whatever field you're in is being discussed with the people who are going to build that future. I think you know, to me, I saw tremendous value, not personally because I have literally no idea what I sat through for three consecutive days. but for them who can speak the lingo, it seemed like an essential trip, you know
1: or well, was skill development. It was it a was skill set development. One is their keen interest, and two is it made them more valuable in the market. Mm-hmm. and we we coach people on that and those listening. One of the things you've got to do is maybe have some skin in the game. Um, we were talking about the uh, Society of Robotic Surgery is in Sweden right now. and to join that is only like two hundred and fifty bucks, which is not a lot for a lot of associations. But if I wanted to go to Sweden next year and I was an engineer, I would join myself, spend my own money, make a copy of that check. And then right after that it was over, I'd collect everybody who spoke at that, all the companies that were at it and 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 what did the agenda look like and make a copy of that check and bring it to my boss and say, I want to go here next year and I'm going to do everything I can tell me right now what I need to do to go there. Mm-hmm. And if he or she tells you there's nothing you can do with that, then look for another job. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but if they give you a, a list of things to do, that's what you're asking for is I want to do this. Here's the benefit to you. Tell me what I need to do in order to earn that way. And even if I have to contribute, um, weekends or even some of my own money. What do I have to do? And and I think that's the big part of the commitment that's important.
2: And also the just commitment itself, like you just mentioned, after years of doing it, and then you get on a little bit of a circuit, depending on what show it is. And once in a while you have a beta show that you've never been to before and you implement everything you've done in all the other shows to make the most value out of that show. Um, But the circuit that you get on, the commitment that you go every year and you see Myself, personally, I try not to see all the people I already know. And if I do, it's a quick handshake or, yeah, I'll grab a coffee and say hello. But I'm always trying to expand that. And then if there's someone who I know already, and a lot of, I'll call them out and say the Europeans, maybe even Israelis. It is strange. They know that you're going to a show, but you'll be on the phone with them a couple weeks in advance. And they have a search that they want to give you then, but they won't. They'll wait till they see you in two weeks which is fine. I mean, either way, I get the search, but it just goes to show you that they value the interpersonal, I should say, in-person meeting much more than the phone call that they could have done two weeks prior. Mm -hmm. So that commitment and that circle that you constantly go in just the world that you play and you constantly make it smaller and smaller and smaller before I was reaching out and grabbing everybody. Now, a lot of times people come up to me, oh, you're Giovanni, right? Oh, you're from the Mung School, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get more meetings right on the spot. So it's a much more organic snowball effect now than it was Back then, when I was fighting for every meeting that I had to source and pulling back into that digital world, reaching out months in advance to set up all these meetings.
1: If if you want to, um, and, and let's let's go again into the learning side, not just uh, the exhibition side or pressing the flesh with people, but really learning. There's been I know when we've negotiated some deals. Sometimes before a person accepts a deal, they'll say, um, yeah, I also want to make sure in the offer letter it's written that I can go to the ANSYS program and the uh, Society of Heart Failure uh, because I've gone every year. And by the way, look at my resume. It's on there. And from that, the company will benefit. Oftentimes we've included that in offer letters. That's one thing. You can ask in your review. Uh, You know. If, if you're in a good organization and you've got a sync or a review and say, well, what can we do for you? And say, well, that's great. You ask, here's where I want to go next year. I think that's probably how when you first started working your own business here um, and, and you said, and, and we had the review like here, because I remember you gave me an Excel spreadsheet and there was like five shows on it <sighs> and um, had it all thoughtfully, you know, banged out and did the homework. and And I think you have to do that if you're going to ask to spend other people's money. And that's what you're doing. You're spending other people's money. And then what's the benefit to the company?
0: So Gio, when you were talking yesterday and, and you were telling um, all the other AEs in, in the Mullings group they should you know, consider it if they if they if they op- the opportunity comes up, uh, what were you considering or what were you thinking of as the opportunity that's available to them by going? What do you think is essential for them as people who don't typically go or don't have the network that you already have?
2: Well, I think... Anyone who starts in a, we'll call it an office-based setting like this, right? And we're recruiters in an office. We call all over the world. With In itself, that's interesting, right? But then you hear that some of your peers get to actually go on a plane and meet those LinkedIn profiles in person. It's just an idea that's really sexy. But if you've never been there and done it before, you don't know what it takes to really make value of that. So it's so easy for someone to say, oh, well, Giovanni's going to Paris or he's going to London or he's going to wherever... And it's so great. And, you know, have you, well, have you been to that museum? Well, yeah, I mean, I have, but it's not really why I go. And it probably wasn't on that trip. But the whole purpose is is that it's really hard work. And I, I, actually, I was just in the lunchroom about two weeks ago having this conversation with somebody. And it sounds really fun, but day three, I'm more than ready to come home. And, <laughs> I, and, I'm, and I'm there for another three days or whatever it is. And, you know, it's been great because the team's been expanding and you have... We'll call it in-house support when things are going crazy back in the office. Still moving a thousand miles an hour because the world doesn't stop for you just because you're out. Um, but you're dealing with time zones, and you're dealing with early breakfasts, and then you're definitely dealing with dinners, maybe second dinners or drinks afterwards with clients that don't want to give up until two o'clock in the morning, and then you go back again at five thirty the next morning. So it's, you're not sleeping you're talking with people all day long, you're entertaining, you're trying to get business, Right? you're learning more about the industry, you're going to scientific lectures, you're exhausted. I mean, it's not as glamorous as it actually sounds. I mean, it's fun. I would never give it up, but it's not easy. And so if I would say to all my peers, I mean, definitely do it. And you'll find out quickly enough if it's for you or if it's not, but you're not going to go out there and go to all the museums and think that it's a holiday rather than not coming back with something professionally learned. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the fine line that anyone who hasn't done that before has to learn quickly mm-hmm. because you have to create the value. It's not waiting for you.
1: And, and Gio's smart and you know, shortly after the show, he'll come back and put a deal up on the board and he'll be like, yeah, you see that one? That was from Dublin or that was from PCR Mike Prick. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's true. I mean, it, well, that's the. We, it was a beta early on when I was starting to do more and more shows in a year. And especially when I was really creating that value to share with Joe so that he would continue to send me to these conferences, right? And I got lucky, I would say, early on, where I did come home from a few shows immediately with something. And then there was a few shows that I didn't. And I might have gotten a deal, and I definitely did get a deal out of that show, but it didn't come until four or five or maybe nine months later. And I felt this compulsion to be like, yeah, Joe, that was, uh, that was a show from nine months ago. Um, see, it was valuable, I promise you, right? And, and now it's, it's a little bit more, the pipeline is filled, I'm on the circuit, I do it regularly, I know how to create that value, and so I might grab something from that show immediately, it might be something that comes a year later. And I mean, perfect example was, I read a three-sentence blurb on a startup that barely had more than three people in it exactly a year ago. And they were going to be at PCR London Valves, which was two and a half months from now, but last year. I had no agenda except I just wanted to get in front of this person. I had no idea what was going to come of it. Shook hands. That was it. I didn't even hear from the person. And it was a 10-minute meeting in person. I didn't even hear from the person. Email, phone, nothing. It was September. This would have been first week of March this year. They called me for a CEO search. (laughs) Right? I mean, that's how it works. You don't know when it's going to come. And it's kind of just like digitally networking. It could take the shot. It could not take the shot. And it's all about the voluminous repetitions.
1: Wake up, dress up, show up. That's it. That's really what it is on a lot of this stuff and anything in it for that matter. But the shows are like that and the seminars are like that too. Even at seminars, I know people who have met people at seminars and gotten job offers. Right? So that's a double-edged sword. Uh, clients like I'm going to send you on the seminar, but wait a minute, you got a job offer and you're leaving. (laughs) (laughs) So that happens, but you can't do that. You've got to continue to grow your people. And if they end up growing and not being with you, that just, that's, that's the uh, sort of circle of life. But that, that, that personal development and the organizational development should go hand in hand.
0: So you're saying that the PCR show you just came from was several thousand people
2: This year, just shy of 12,000.
0: That's, you know, a tremendous amount of people. You're obviously not going to network with everybody. But, you know, aside from making those uh, phone calls, emails, in-mails a couple weeks or months before the trip, what do you do when you're on the ground to make sure that you're visible, people know you're there, and you're not washed out in the tens of thousands of people around you?
1: Haven't you seen the suits he
2: wears?
0: Well, that's true. Gio's got some nice, some fabulous. But in Europe, it doesn't mean as much because they all look great.
2: True. Um, I oscillate between a few stops, right? So I have my scheduled meetings guaranteed, which usually always ends up having someone say, oh, by the way, I have a friend who's looking. Or, oh, by the way, I have a company who I know is looking. Let me introduce you to someone. So then I always pick up at least another 10 meetings or so just from the meetings that I already have scheduled. Um, and then if there's ever a gap in my schedule, I just make sure I immediately start walking the booths and I usually show up either really early the first day or even the day before if it's available and open, um, less traffic time. And I just map out all the floors. I I know where all the stations are before I do a little bit, we'll call it recon, um, so that the next preceding days, I don't have to waste time figuring out where things are. So... I get texts regularly saying, I'm by this booth. Okay. And then I run. So, I mean, it's when I said headhunter on the ground, I mean, I feel more of a headhunter when I'm at shows than I really do in the office. Um, So how do I spend my time? I mean, if it's not scheduled, it's scheduling by getting introduced to people right then and there. And it's then circling the booths. And I'm not talking about walking up to anybody who I don't know with a name tag, but it's understanding where the booths are, going into the lectures, meeting people, and then seeing what booths are there, going on and seeing who I can reach out to, whether if I know the CTO is going to be there. And sometimes I'm in my room at nighttime scheduling meetings after knowing and learning what's on the ground there for the next coming days, which I only learn by being there. So it's a lot. You and just, then in the follow-up when you get back too, there's a, there's a substantial amount of follow-up afterwards. Yeah, the week after, it's dreadful. I mean, <laughs> the, the week before you leave, well, this, is, this goes back to the whole thing about do you really want this or not? It sounds sexy, but do you really want to do it? So the week before you leave, you're doing double the triple the work because you're making sure you're overworking everything so that it's not terribly burdensome while you're gone, but things happen while you're gone anyway. And then when you get back, you have to clean up everything that you missed, and manage everything moving forward. So basically, whenever you're gone for a week, it's three weeks of triple the work, pretty much. Is it worth it? Oh, yeah. Only if you love it. I love it. I sleep through the conferences. Do you? Yeah.
1: Gio knows. I I, I don't go to the conferences. I go to the bar and the restaurants with the CEOs afterwards. That's right. where I do my business. So that's how I do mine.
0: But you, you said that, that you found tremendous value going this year. And-
1: different conference. The Dublin Conference, the MedTech Strategist Conference is a different conference. So again, depend you have to know what you're going to. Um, we're actually sponsoring, right? We're a platinum sponsor this year, plug, um, with, you know, I think last year it was... Ernst & Young, J&J, uh, Medtronic, and now the Mullings Group, right? And that's how much I thought about it. But that's different. That was like a, what would you categorize that as, as like almost like a learning curriculum. There was one hall, it was less than a thousand people, and it was incredibly intimate. And you're sitting with the CEOs, the venture capitalists, the founders, and everything's happening right there. And so it's not a beauty contest. There's no booth bunnies right? None of that. You're literally sitting there for intellectual stimulation and looking at things the way that the industry is and then running it through our headhunter filter. So that's a a totally different show, totally different experience. Um, Michael, you've been to the Booth Bunny shows, right? You've been to Ophthalmology Ortho with me. That's a totally different vibe than we had in Dublin. Um, One is just like a, to me, it's, I'm not a big um, exhibit hall guy, because it's just a big f- pool of flesh <laughs> where on the intellectual side, I certainly like those the verticals that they do within those, and again, different strokes for different folks.
2: I think I pitched that show to Joe as being a a medtech MBA weekend. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how I called it. like you sit there and you know all these different facets that play to create the medical device. It's not just the companies themselves. it's who There's acquires. not even a medical device there, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's who acquires them, right? Which they have their own story. Who initially invested in them and why they acquire them. And why they invest.
1: Exactly. And then what are the headwinds? And then what do the large strategics look at in order to acquire it? And why don't they acquire? And then perfect ecosystem. Yeah, it's really interesting. That's it. And then this year it was really obvious the gap in the um the upcoming medtech world is how all the strategics and I'll and I'll say all oh, that's a big sweeping statement are so far behind the digital pendulum. It's crazy. None of them are positioning themselves appropriately, and that's where you know you guys heard me is the apples and the amazons and the microsofts and the googles are, are going to crush them in that digital domain. And that 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 was a learning moment right there. That that re. That readjusted my goggles on how I would then position TMG and how I would position our content in marketing and how I would focus on the next gen soon to enter Godzillas in the med tech industry and and it's those companies. So you get, you know, you go what you go for. I, I don't go to look at the products. G goes to go to the products and the relationships with the hiring managers and with the elite candidates. And... I don't. That's not of interest to me. The other ones are. And again, different strokes for
2: different folks. If you jump on the circuit for pitching to your boss on why it's valuable to go to shows, (laughs) give up a bunch of sleep, love what you do, and show up every day like Joe says, that's about it. Other than that, it's not for everybody because it's hard as hell. It's a lot of work. It's a super lot of work. And there are people
1: in my organization who go, and it's clear they're going just to be there not to work the hell out of it. And um, I still support them, but, I'm, you know, it's it's very clear. And and you could even see there are ones that go and they're just like, yeah, meh, yeah, I went, meh, meh,
2: right? You don't go for a family reunion. You go right. to bring something back. Right, right. Yeah. A lot of business.
1: And again, it's it's a building block. And Geo brings up something very interesting, depending on what you're going to shows for, is what... TMG's done well and G has done, uh, especially in the international front, is to build a brand, you have to be there 24-7, 365 in whatever platform you're trying to build in. And I think that's important. That's what built our international platform so well, is not just making international calls and not just recruiting international people, but showing the market that you're totally in and you're physically on the ground. And that that's been a big differentiator. Us being there and then the veracity at which geo attacks that market um that that's super helpful so you know you just totally that's like everything you said you got to want it you got to demo it and then you got to execute on it right so
0: well this has been another episode of on the line my name is christina k
2: i'm joe mullings and i'm giovanni loricella
0: Tune in again next week for another episode Yay.